Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Sega Genesis and Super NES, a 55-level feeding frenzy of fine-cut creature features. Fend off B-moving maniacs with your weed whackers, exploding soda pop, and boozy squirt gun. Save the neighbors! Or their dead meat. Zombies ain't my neighbors! From Konami. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 45 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you, as always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. And, uh, yeah, I... I don't know, 45 episodes in, um, feels good to kind of be back into the normal swing of things. And um, I think you picked a classic here to talk about uh, oh, going I back into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, can I just say, too, it doesn't feel like 45 ep- episodes. It's, you know, I, I feel like we're still on like our like third or fourth show, like trying to get our feet wet, you know. Yeah, it's, it, we're only a couple weeks in, I think. Yeah, but... <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, it's it's good to get back into the the swing of things a little bit, and uh, you know, I pick a game, you pick a game, and you know, we just kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, I I wanted to pick something that um, I think doesn't get a lot of uh, discussion these days, but is you know, it's a game that if you bring up with a lot of people, uh, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, um, that game's awesome, um, and you know, you start talking about it, so. No, you you can be honest. The reason you picked this is because you wanted this soundtrack to be stuck in my head for two straight weeks. Well, yeah, that too, obviously. I mean, that goes with <laughs> that thing, you know. But that's not a bad problem to have. And, and No, it, I mean, it is one of those things, though, that, like, I don't know, something about this game, as soon as you even mention the title, the song starts playing in my head, and it won't go away, and it eventually kind of drives me insane. But... um well, let's uh, let's talk about the title. What is the title? So we're here talking about Zombies Ate My Neighbors, um, both for the Super NES as well as the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the release date differences, but I know that um, at least the Super NES version we got in July of 93 in the U.S., uh, a year later in Europe. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us why you picked this, and I'll look up to see if... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think they did release around the same time, but you'll probably be able to find out for sure. But uh, no, Zombies Ate My Neighbors is a game that I used to rent quite a bit. And um, it's a game that I have some some nostalgia with as far as like renting it and, and sort of discovering it. And it sort of ticks all the boxes of um, things that I like in games where it's, it's lighthearted. It's, um, you know, kind of got this campy sort of B-movie feel. But at its heart, it's sort of like a gauntlet style dungeon crawl. And there's a ton of levels. What you do is you, um, it's an overhead perspective. Um, you have to save the um, uh, victims that are uh, being attacked by zombies and things like that. There's like 10 of them on each of the levels. So you basically just have to, you're, you're walking around the level, trying to find keys, trying to find hostages to rescue. So kind of like a gauntlet style game. And then once you've rescued all 10 of the um, uh, people, assuming that, you know, one of the zombies didn't kill him. Uh, then an exit appears, and you go into the exit, and you go on to the next level. So um, from there, there's different styles of, um, of games. They're all kind of structured like, like B-movies. So, um, you know, the one level might be zombies attacking, um, you know, the neighborhood, and there's, like, you know, a guy barbecuing or something like that. And the next game might be um you're in a shopping mall and you're trying to find the uh the victims in the shopping mall and so they all have the the like 1950s atomic age sci-fi sort of b-movie feel to it uh which is cool 
I liked it a lot. Um, every, yeah, about every five levels, there's a, a boss encounter, roughly. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, that's I, something I, that I, I think, think that you and I will be able to talk quite a bit, um, just because there are so many little movie references in here, and I know you and I are both horror fans, so there's, if you were like me, there's probably lots of little things that you were noticing as we're going along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've both had our share of uh, horror podcasts that, that we've uh, earned our creed on back in the day, even though they each had about three listeners. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's like hipster podcasting, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, um, yeah, so for me, this was a game that I, I rented a few different times back in the day. Uh, I think I might have had a friend who rented it once, and that was kind of what turned me on to it initially. Um, and we kind of played it together as a co-op. This is one that, you know, it's kind of, I, I guess it fits fits well with what we did two weeks ago when we talked about Toe Jam and Earl, because both of these are games that we can talk about, have kind of a similar feel to them. And yeah. Yeah. there's similar elements, but the, the two-player mode is something that's kind of prominent in both games as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we played two-player with him. And then um, I was just like, oh yeah, you know, that, that was fun enough that I, I never went out and bought it, but I did kind of rent it every now and then uh usually this was kind of the one where if i'd go to the rental store you know looking for a game that i had in mind and it wasn't available well then usually zombies ate my neighbors was a you know safe backup um mm-hmm. so yeah it's always kind of been a b-list movie for me or a game for me um mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean there, there, there's a lot to it and um over the years, I've played it, you know, several different times. Never played it all the way through. In fact, I would say that this is definitely one of those kind of uh, Everest games that I've really not made it nearly as far into it as I probably should. Um, but uh, it's a tough game. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, though. I want to touch on a couple of things real quick because uh, I totally agree with you. Like, and I'm in the same boat where I rented this game several times, but I never bought it, and it was like to me, it seemed like it was the perfect rental. And I think the other reason for that is it didn't have a battery backup. So it wasn't like you were saving your game, you know, and then you'd return it to the rental store and somebody else would erase your game. But, you know, you had passwords so you could keep track of where you were at in the game. You know, you could return it and then pick it back up a few weeks later, enter your passcode and uh, keep going. So, uh, you know, in that rationale, I think this was the, the epitome of like a really good Friday night rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday night, especially just because, you know, maybe your parents were over in the next room watching, you know, Night of the Living Dead, and you can be playing, you know, Evening of the Undead. Yeah, or, you know, you might go over to a friend's house or something, and, you know, you're going to stay up late playing games or something, like, or go to the video store, go to the arcade or whatever, you know, and this this was a game that you'd, you'd rent and you'd take back and you would play until about midnight and just have a, a blast playing it. Yeah, so... um I do want to talk about some of the movie references in here real quick, because I think that was one of the most fun parts for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is 55 stages is what they claim on the front of the box. Uh, I've never made it past. Uh, let's see. Looking down the level list right here. Yep. There it is. 16. That's <laughs> yep. that's my limit. That's about um, where I stopped. I stopped at like 15. I think it was. And so many of these, like each time a new stage starts, like they, they kind of throw out this little like title screen. And it's, it's just funny that each stage has a title to it. Um, but they're all very, you know, horror movie-esque. There's, mm-hmm. you know, Day of the Tentacle, Evening of the Undead. Um, there's, let's see. Is it really Day of the Tentacle? Day of the Tentacle is the bonus stage that you can unlock okay. in the first level, yeah. That's really cool because uh, this game was also uh, it was published by Konami, but it was developed by LucasArts, who also did you know one of the more famous adventure games, Day of the Tentacle, which was the Maniac Mansion sequel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool to see that reference in there too. Yeah, let's see. There's um, Mars needs cheerleaders, uh, Chopping Mall, which I mean yep. that was a movie all in itself. Yeah. Um, Dinner in Monster Island, Office of the Doomed. I think that just sounds like fun. Um, These are all movies that I would love to see, like Lord Bloodrock do a commentary on. <laughs> yes, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare on Terror Street, Invasion of the Snake Kids just sounds like a ton of fun. Um, Warehouse of Evil Dolls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dances with Werewolves. Um, yeah. 
So there, I mean, there's a ton of them, and I think that um, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool themes in here. You know, there it jumps from some of the early stages where you're just kind of out and about in the um, like outside, you know, garden, like the very suburban yeah look. It's uh, the 1950s suburbs, you know. The, yeah, exactly. Kind of thing, yeah. Uh, several stages take place inside malls. There's a couple even inside um, like ancient Egyptian pyramids. Mm-hmm. Uh, factory kind of plays in a lot. And then there's some castles. Um, but I think one of the most fun ones is when you get to the point where there's the uh, the football field. And yeah. I think I think it's the you know cheerleaders versus Martians or something like that. And yeah, all of a sudden there's these aliens, you know, that look exactly like Mars attacks type. Mm-hmm. Martians coming down, big flying saucer flying over the sky, and you've got to save cheerleaders. But yeah, and this was uh, what came out about three years before Mars Attacks, the movie did. That was like '96, I want to say. Um, Sounds about right. But maybe the maybe the Mars Attacks trading cards or comic was out at this point. I'm not sure, but maybe it was just a similar style. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like how it it constantly shifts. Um, between like in a way it's like being at like a drive-in and having different drive-in movies play you know so it's not like you have 50 levels of the suburbs but you know every like five or ten levels you're you're doing something totally different like the core gameplay is still the same but you know it's it's that you know new situation new new graphics and uh what am i going to see next kind of thing right and you know that the enemies as as you progress do start to get a little bit more tough um there's, you know, things are pretty simple at the beginning. I mean, you, you start the game with nothing but a squirt gun, and that's enough to kill the zombies that are showing up. Mm. And as you kind of get going, you get to, I think, stage five, which is where there's, they call it weird kids on the block, and that's the, yeah. you know, invasion of the body snatchers type uh, level, where there's little pod people that are all clones of you. Um you get uh, Terror in Isle 5, which is stage 3, mm-hmm. is the first time that you see those stupid little evil doll kids. You know, the, yeah, the Chucky dolls. The, basically, yeah, the Chucky ripoff. It's it's Tommy, yeah. the evil doll, according to yeah, the instruction yeah. book. But it's yeah. just maniacal little munchkins oh, with axes and terrifying. Yeah. There's a couple of times, I think, when you go into a couple of the stores that um, that you see Tommy just bust out of the, uh, the packaging, the doll yeah. packaging. And it's a cool little touch. Yeah, there's one stage later that's a factory that's actually the factory where they make manufacture the yep. Tommy doll. Yep. Um, so those little bastards are everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, it's, um, not great. it's pretty awful, but still, yeah. Yeah, and the stage that, um, I forget the name of it now, but uh, basically it's the um, like amoeba blobs, you know, f- taking over the city. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That's a great one. There's ones with killer killer weeds and fungus all over the place. Right. Um, but, you know, some of these monsters are actually, and, and this is where I'm getting, mm-hmm. maybe it's because I played this game, you know, when I was pretty young, but like when you get to Chainsaw Hedge, Hedge Maze Mayhem, like the big hockey mask wielding, or, you know, wearing chainsaw wielding maniacs start running around and there's like nothing you can do to stop them unless you happen to have a ton of bazooka bullets. But yeah, I was just going to say, that's like the first level that um, starts to induce panic. Yeah, it really, really does. Yeah. And you can hear them off in the distance mm-hmm. and it just kind of gets your adrenaline going. Um, well, a couple of times I think, don't you have to, you have to have them sort of cut through the maze so you can take the shortcuts to get to some of the other people. Unless you have the bazooka, because that'll blow a hole in the wall, too. Okay, yeah. So you you can make it yourself. And usually what I do, because this stage is uh, stage four. So Mm. for the first three levels, I'm just stockpiling every single bazooka I can find. Yeah. um, So that then, yeah, I can make it. There was something else that stopped him. I don't know if it was the uh, fire extinguisher or... Fire extinguisher will freeze them for a second. Yeah. Um, And they'll get by, I think. Yeah. And if you shoot them a whole bunch with the water gun, they will eventually fall over, but they get right back up. Yeah, but that's a lot of ammo. Oh, it's a ton. You start, you start running low on your squirt gun ammo, and it starts getting kind of tough. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like the the sound of the chainsaw revving up in the in the distance, like before you even see them, is oh. enough to kind of get you on edge. 
Well, and uh, anybody who played this game will immediately like remember that sound effect and and start to have a panic attack. Right. Because of that. Um, Kinda... And it's it's the same thing about the maniacal laugh with the little Tommy dolls. Like yeah. yep. hearing hearing that just freaks me out because those little guys are tough to kill too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. It's it's a it's an effective game, um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the, the part that I I've got to tell the story because this is a funny little anecdote from playing this a week ago is you know my wife and I decided that this would be a fun two player game to play together, mm-hmm. and so we are sitting down. She has never played this at all and this is probably sure. the first time in 10 years since i've played it um and i definitely made it farther this time around that i had previously because all of a sudden i got to the stage that's just titled ants mm-hmm. yeah. and i like immediately kind of had this like almost you know chill moment and realized like wait there's something about this level and then i start playing it and for those of you who haven't gotten this far, there's it's basically like a big hedge maze, but there's these giant holes in the ground and these just gigantic purple ants crawl out and they're huge. They take up an entire aisle and they can crawl over any wall uh, or obstacle to get to you. Mm-hmm. And they take a ton of firepower to, to kill them. And the first time I got to that stage when I was a kid, I had a nightmare about that stage later that night my god um because those ants like they were so realistic looking and it just just scared the living hell out of me and um and i wasn't the kind of kid who had nightmares you know very often i was pretty thick-skinned with a lot of horror stuff but something about that got to me power with realistic looking ants yeah right that's not a marketing ploy that anybody used but uh, it would have been effective on you it sounds like yeah and so then we um I get to that stage the other night and I'm just like, Oh, Oh hell no. <laughs> it's like, I had the same reaction. The PTSD comes back. It did. It was like this yeah. super Nintendo Sega Genesis PTSD or something, but mm-hmm. man just saw those ants again. I'm like, Nope. And it, I panicked enough that I just like lost it and died. And damn, I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> now does your wife play many games? Uh, no, she really doesn't like the okay. occasional Mario Kart or Tetris, Dr. Mario, that kind of thing. But okay. Yeah. So how did she do like picking this game up? I'm curious. Um, so that was kind of an interesting experiment for us because I hadn't played this two player since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest thing that we discovered was, you know, when we first started playing, I kind of told her how the controls worked and what button did what. Um, I was like, you know, there, you basically have four buttons to use. One will use the item that you see on the left. One will see the, use the item you see on the right. And then there's another two buttons that'll rotate those through. But until you start picking stuff up, they're not going to do anything. And it'll be a while before you have like multiple weapons, multiple items. I said, so for now, you can just run around and shoot stuff. Yeah. Um, I said, the object is there's 10 people in the room. You've, we've got to find all of them. But as soon as one of them pops on screen or even comes close to the edge of the screen all the enemies are going to start running toward it too. And we've got to get to it before they do. Mm. Um, So she understood the concept. We started playing it and she did find that the controls were a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. Like there, there were several spots where we had like a a tight door you had to go through and like she, you know, getting aimed and aligned to get through it right away was tricky. Stuck on things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But as a cooperative thing, we didn't do terribly well um i think we made it maybe the first six or seven stages before we both died and the thing that you know we kind of walked away realizing was that this game is really really difficult two player yeah um a lot of times the co-op mode uh makes the game easier and when we were talking about like toe jam and earl two weeks ago i think that's one that is just really really well built for multiplayer mode um, and two players can actually kind of work together to make things easier. But in this case, it was such a hindrance because it's not like they double the amount of weapons and items you find. It's the same amount. So you're splitting your first aid packs, you know, in half. Um, You've got to divide up who gets what gun, uh, which is, you know, just there's some strategy to that, which if you had the time to, 
plan that out, great. But in this game, you're kind of, you know, wor- working against the clock to get stuff done. Um, but then more than anything, it's the idea that you can only, you can't progress the scroll of the screen if somebody else is on the edge. Right. So there were, screen. right. So there were many times when we'd be walking along and all of a sudden on the radar, we'd see like, oh, there's a guy right over here in the upper left corner. And one of us would go run for it. The other person was, you know, lagging behind and you couldn't get up to the person because the other person was still waiting and the person or the victim would get eaten. Um, We had other situations where like the, the trampolines where you can jump over the hedges. Yep. Like somebody would jump over and then they couldn't get back to the other side. So we're just kind of like, or they went the wrong direction and jumped over the fence when you went like down and they went right. Oh, I totally understand. So, so then you have to sit there and basically figure out like, okay, how do we share the screen? Right. Okay. Go left, go up. Yeah. No, no, no. Left, left. Yeah. We're we're separated by a barrier, but we've got to figure out how to, how we can stay on the same screen and, find each other again and considering you're looking at labyrinth like stages that's really tricky yeah so if if no other elements or variables were in the game you could do it mm-hmm. but when you're also so pressed for time to get to your neighbors before zombies eat them or god forbid you get to one of the stages where the little uh you know, Tommy dolls are coming out or you know we we each lost one or two lives on the um chainsaw mm-hmm. hedge maze oh yeah because you can't just you know make a beeline straight for the exit and you know get out of there when both people are running around like you just get bum rushed yeah so no, i i completely understand so um chan and i tried this as well and uh we ran into the same problem so we play a decent amount of co-op games together and we play a lot of Fortnite together and, and some other games but um something like this where um you know, two people are sharing the same screen. I'm noticing it's kind of the same thing. Like I've played this before. So I'm the one that's kind of like leading, so to speak, and and going everywhere. But that also means that I'm not being patient enough to wait for Shannon to get the, you know, to grasp the controls or to move on. So uh, we ran into a lot of issues with that too, where, uh, you know, the chainsaw guy would kill somebody or, you know, maybe somebody's lagging behind or jumps on the teleporter the wrong way. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because um, I guess now, like for, for us that, that still play like modern games and online games and stuff like that, it's not that big of a deal when you've got, when you've got your own screens, but going back to something where you're playing local co-op and you're sharing the screen together, there's a certain amount of, of extra work and patience that's sort of required that I noticed I didn't have that patience for. Right. Um, you know, when, when playing co-op with somebody that hasn't played before. And it's interesting because, you know, growing up, we would, you know, we'd play games with our friends that obviously had played a lot of games, but, you know, now as we're older and some of us are playing with kids or significant others and stuff that may not have the same experience that we do. It's interesting because in a way, like you almost become like sort of, you know, kind of like an alpha a little bit like, oh, let's go this way. Like, follow me. I'm going to do this. But at the same time, then it gets you into trouble because you're not allowing that person to kind of explore and play the game and discover it on their own, which can lead to some frustration then to be like, you know what? I think I'm good on this. I'm going to play something else. Um, so, which is kind of what happened to us. Like we were playing co-op for a little bit. We made it in about six or seven levels and then decided, you know what, I think we're good on the co-op. And so we started playing some puzzle games. We were playing like Tetris Attack and um, Tetris and Dr. Mario and Puyo Pop, stuff like that. So it's just interesting then, you know, kind of the shift that I discovered because I haven't played this in co-op for so long and playing it now, like it's totally different. It's a totally different feeling. Yeah, and even with us, like we, I think we played maybe two games together. The first one, you know, she was just kind of getting her feet wet and learning and... Then the second one, you know, we, we got farther, uh, but I completely know what you were saying about the like alpha yeah. type situation yeah. was like, because you played before, you just want to start just leading someone around by the hand. And, right. You know. And that was frustrating. It's like, and I also try not to do that because I would rather just enjoy the game and have fun. It's not about it's winning hard, or losing. Hard to get out of that mindset though. Well, and also because this game creates that, like it, creates such a panicked atmosphere 
that you can't just say like, okay, well, let's just go. And if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. Like when there's a chainsaw wielding maniac right behind you, like you kind of panic and try to run. And then when mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, get away, then you're like, you know, you got to go this way, go that. And it's like, it's, right. yep. it's, it's not my fault or her fault or anything. It's the game's fault. Like it just creates that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a tension involved that, that isn't present in the single player. Right. And so then after, you know, she, she died, I think I still had one life left and she actually made the comment. She's like, I think it would be interesting to see you and Wes play because Mm -hmm. she's like, if you guys both know the game that well, like it'd be interesting to see like what kind of a strategy we would come up with. um, And it would be a completely different dynamic. Um, And, you know, I, I liken it to um, like playing Contra for the NES uh, playing that co-op is the same kind of thing. Like if you've got one person who knows what they're doing and one person that's, you know, really, you know, kind of novice or struggling with it, they're really going to be a handicap for the other person. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fine. But uh, again, that's the kind of game where if you're not, if, if you're not focused, you're going to get hit by a stray bullet or something. And I think that could cause that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, after our second game together, you know, she kind of quit and, when I died, then I, I reset it. And I was like, do you want to go again? And she goes, no, she's like, you go ahead and just play by yourself for once. Right. And that's where I played like through, you know, 16 levels or whatever. And she, she made the comment. She's like that. She didn't think it was a fun two player game, you know, Mm -hmm. as somebody who's new to the game, she didn't think it was fun two players, but she said, the nice thing is it's a really fun game to watch. Yeah. And that was interesting for me to hear her say that because there's a lot of games i'll play and she'll watch for about five minutes before she you know turns on her phone or grabs a magazine or something because most games just aren't that entertaining Mm -hmm. um but she said this one just has enough things going on there's enough interesting characters the uh, neighbors are you know cute and funny and whatever she's like it it was it's a fun game to to watch so that's And that, I'm that was segue right there real quick because um, what what you said about that is we've talked a little bit off you know off the recording about high score girl and uh, like I was telling you that we watched it the whole thing or whatever you guys totally need to watch it because there's a whole um, segment there with the character that um, the main character is trying to get to like play Street Fighter and stuff with like and at first she's kind of like no I'm I'm good I just enjoy like watching the game. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that show, I could go, I could talk a whole episode about High Score Girl, but that show is fucking awesome. Uh, there's uh, Netflix produced the English dub of it and the English subtitle, or I guess the uh, English localization, so to speak. Um, but if you're a fan of like old school arcade games or any of that stuff, I mean, it's just, it's such a good show. And um, it's got so much more besides the um, the arcade scene and the arcade focus on it it's at its core it's a really good character study between like several characters so um but yeah this what you said just totally reminded me of that yeah i need to get to it i gotta finish season two of castlevania first but yeah yeah but no you're totally right like um as far as it's not that this game can be a a turnoff in co-op but it's it sort of requires the other person to have a certain amount of of know-how and as far as playing games and playing like retro games to be able to enjoy it. And that's, that's almost taking words exactly straight out of her mouth mm-hmm. because she said, and she said this many times, she's like, she doesn't understand what this like inherent ability I have is with like old games. She's like, somebody could hand you a game you've never played before. And she's like, and you could just know what the buttons do and you could just mm-hmm. figure out what the objective is right away. And, yeah, you know, it comes from because decades of fundamentals to a majority of games that were designed around this time. They all had the same or similar buttons, and it was just kind of accepted throughout multiple publishers that certain buttons did certain actions. Right. And, and go back to Mario to say, OK, A is jump and B is run. And so many other games sort of took that, you know, and ran with it that you could pick up and play a game and grasp it within a few minutes. Or, you know, hand me any fighter game on Super Nintendo and I can tell you what buttons every or what what button everything on that controller does. Okay. Um, how about who? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but, um, does something terrible because the game is fucking terrible. 
But um, yeah, she, you know, she just made a comment about that, how she was kind of struggling because she doesn't have that just, you know, experience with games. Mm -hmm. And I think for this to work to player, you, you need one of two things either. Yes. Like I think if you and I picked it up together, we could, you know, we would do all right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it's the kind of thing where like I'm able to get to level 16, 17, whatever it is that I get to on my own because I've, been playing this for 15 years you know off and on you know what to expect you know the maps a little bit right and i I think that if you were going to get good at this as a two-player you would almost have to start that all over from scratch Mm -hmm. so if her and i continued this and said like okay once a week we're just going to sit down and play some zombies at my neighbor we would eventually get that you know reflex memory we would eventually pick Mm -hmm. it up and probably a year from now, yeah, we could beat the game together, but it would require me completely relearning it with a totally different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And, and back then, like we had that experience, we had played games through the NES and the super NES. So by the time this came around, it was nothing new, you know, right. so I totally understand the, uh, the approachability of this as far as, as introducing new people to it. Right. Uh, that said, I think that, Zombies Ain't My Neighbor would definitely benefit. It'll probably never happen, but I think it would definitely benefit from some sort of remaster or re-release because if you added, say, online co-op to this but made it so each player had their own screen and could see what they're doing and operate independently without uh, sharing the same screen, I think that would open up the possibilities for this game quite a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's definitely some truth to that. Um you know, I, I'm the kind of person that says that, you know, remakes are usually not necessary. Uh, and I, I kind of turn my nose up to quite a few of them because I feel like they don't really add a whole lot. But there are the occasional exceptions where it's like, OK, this is actually a worthwhile benefit. Yeah. Um, you know, one other example of that was when like Blaster Master Zero came out for, uh, you know, I played the Switch version. Mm-hmm. And all in all, I wasn't a fan of it, but I did like the fact that you could finally play that game with an ability to save or get passwords. I forget uh, what I had, you know, save yeah, I or something. It. I thought it was a great sequel. Um, but it's like, that was one of those things that was just lacking from that game originally is that there was no, it was a long playthrough and no way to save your progress. Well, that's true to the spirit of the original Blaster Master. That, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. that that was one of the shortcomings of the original yeah. Yeah. is that it's a long game with no way to save. So then all of a sudden when a, sequel comes out or a remake and it's like they added that feature it's like yeah that's one way that an improvement could have been made yeah um yeah i think and, some some modern uh, conveniences could be added to this and and it would not change it you know for the worse it, it might change it for the better right i think that uh maybe a better map system instead of just a little radar like that that could be nice um and yeah just slightly tighter controls um and um yeah, just a better way to do the co-op, you know, whether it's a split screen or, you know, so- something, but yeah, I think that the mm-hmm. game could definitely benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's got the, the sense of humor and the graphical style that would not be out of place in 2019. No, I, mean, you know, I, I think we, we talked a lot on the show about, we compare a lot of retro games to sort of modern indie games and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the heart and soul of zombies ate my neighbor is, at its core, what a lot of indie games are still doing, you know, and you can kind of tell from from the sense of humor to the gameplay to uh, just the the graphical style. I mean, yeah. it would not be out of place to re-release this in 2019 on modern consoles for you know eight or ten bucks with online multiplayer, and uh, yeah, I, I think it would be a, a tremendous hit. Right, especially with as big as zombies have been in the last decade. Like, I'd... yeah, yeah. Sell almost it's a rights issue now at this point because like i said I, i'm pretty sure it was developed by LucasArts and published by konami so it's kind of like it's a weird rights battle like mm-hmm. who owns what and i to my knowledge i don't know has this ever been re-released is it on virtual console i'm not for sure yeah it was on um virtual console on the the wii okay i think I, I feel like even that's a dated reference now with the Wii Shop channel finally closing this month. Um, you know, do we even mention virtual console anymore? I mean, I guess emulation is probably going to be the closer aspect as far as, you know, when people have played this. But 
At least until the, uh, the, the Wii Super Shop channel just closed. Uh, the end of January, I think, is the last time that you can download uh, software on it. Really? Yeah, because last year you couldn't add uh, funds to the shop anymore. Yeah, I knew that happened, but you yeah, still have that. January 30th of 2019 is when the shop closes for good. Huh. Well, yeah, I unhooked my Wii a couple of uh, weeks ago, and I'm guessing that's just going to stay unplugged now. <laughs> to go? Yeah. You know, the, the only problem is, I mean, there's quite a few of the games, obviously, are, um, you can obtain elsewhere. But there's a couple of, uh, of Rebirth games that are kind of lost forever on the on the Wii, which is kind of too bad. There's uh, Castlevania Rebirth, and I think there's Gradius Rebirth and Contra Rebirth. They were all really good games, but uh, you know, outside of any sort of official re-release, uh, they're kind of lost to time. So, hmm. Just too bad. But yeah, I don't know. I I think it. Uh, I think Zombies Ate My Neighbor would be a, a good candidate for, uh, you know, a nice little remaster slash, uh, you know, update. Yeah, it's never gotten anything like that. Um, although, have you ever played or do you know anything about the sequel, uh, Ghoul Patrol? No, I mean I've heard the name Ghoul Patrol, but I didn't know that it was a sequel. I never really, I I never played it, so I'm not really familiar with that outside of the name. Yeah, I've never played it either. That's another one that uh, Super Nintendo in 94 hmm. and it hit the Wii Virtual Console as well. But um, okay. yeah, I had never played it. That. that could be good. Still published by LucasArts. Oh, no, wait. This looks like JVC did the publishing, but LucasArts did the publishing of the Virtual sure. Console version. Yeah, okay. But they de- LucasArts developed Ghoul Patrol as well. But, okay. Yeah, and totally. Like if you played Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle and stuff like that, I mean, you'll totally see the influence of uh, the LucasArts sense of humor as far as the, you know that style game. So, mm-hmm. but so. I did want to talk just briefly about some of the differences though um, between the two versions. There's not a whole lot, but um, what's interesting is for me, I grew up renting the Super NES one because I didn't have a Sega Genesis. But for the show and for recently, I thought, well, I'll, I'll fire up the uh, Genesis version. And uh, even I think we were talking on the it was either on the Discord or the Facebook group. But I think uh, Jim Volpe was saying that he had a lot of fond memories of playing the Genesis one. So I thought, you know, I'll check that out. And I got to say, I actually kind of prefer the Genesis version. Um, it's not too different. I mean, as far as the sound, the sound is a little bit different. But I think the biggest difference on the Super Nintendo, um, the entire play field takes up the whole screen. Right? So graphics tend to be a little bit wider. Um, your map is sort of displayed as a like a transparency in the upper left corner. Um, you know, your life bar and your score is all part of the background and stuff. So it can be a little hard to see at times. But what I noticed on the Genesis version is the play field is kind of shrunk a little bit, kind of like um, some of the shoot 'em ups, the overhead shoot 'em ups on the Genesis. So on the right-hand side, you have a black bar that sort of has your score and your life meter and your map on there constantly displayed. And I got to say, I kind of preferred that as far as like between the two versions, because I didn't have to turn the map on and off all the time, you know, to kind of see where I was going. But also it kind of split the health bar up and made it more easy to see and kind of monitor. So um, I ended up ended up getting a little bit farther on the Genesis version than I did on the Super NES one. So just kind of interesting, you know, yeah. not a huge difference, but enough to make me stop and look at it and think, wow, okay, I'm actually doing a little bit better on this one versus the one that I grew up playing. Yeah. And what's interesting too, like I, I kind of did the exact same thing. I played the Super Nintendo my whole life. And then for this decided like, let's, let's give the, um, the Genesis one a try because I, I just love that Genesis sound. Um, <laughs> And so being able to kind of play it that way was was fun. Um, what I noticed, and I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I felt like the levels were in a different order. Um, hmm. I'm kind of comparing them now, looking online, and I think maybe I'm wrong about that. But like, I thought for sure the like the stage where you where you see the gigantic baby for the first time. Yeah. Um, that in both of these lists that's yeah, showing that that's stage eight. Um, yeah. I thought that was in a mall the first time you saw it. No, no, I think it was always in the uh, that kind of big sandbox playground yeah. area. 
yeah so it, that just kind of threw me off because when i played that this time around i was like wait it's outside and i, th- I thought the mall one was first mm-hmm. um but yeah as i'm kind of relooking through the list now they're they're all in the exact same order but uh yeah, yeah it just feels slightly different but uh i don't know i, I think i now kind of prefer the sega version over the uh, super nes one and in a way it's playing it on the genesis like it it feels at home on the genesis i guess if that makes sense like it feels like a game that that sega would have released like we talked about with toe jam and earl yeah where it sort of had that unique identity but playing it on the genesis then i feel like this could have been an exclusive you know or something that i would associate sega with you know zombies and water guns and uh you know, something slightly different than what you would see on Nintendo, but obviously it was multi-platform, but um, it's just kind of interesting as I, as I played it, and I kind of noticed that I was thinking to myself, like, and maybe because I'm thinking of like other games, like, like Haunting starring Poltergeist and like some of the other Sega games like that, where, you know, they sort of had the supernatural occult sort of themes to them, I guess, which weren't necessarily taboo on the Super NES, but in a way it was just kind of like, oh yeah, this, this feels right playing with a sega controller it does and you know some of the some of the themes in there you're right like it wasn't taboo for nintendo but there were certain things that just felt a a, a little bit edgy and you know they fit with the genesis um and i don't know some of that kind of just more grainy um aesthetic like it doesn't the super nintendo always seemed to have a little more of a bright color palette to it yeah Um, that's a good way to put it yeah and i think that the the kind of muted tones of the Genesis, like were more fitting for this kind of game. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'm a convert too. I like the Genesis version better. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. So, alrighty. Well, anything else you wanted to throw in there about um, zombies at my neighbors? I was, I was trying to think of anything, but outside of, you know, what we just mentioned, I don't think there were any other really any big differences to note. Um, no, and I even looked at some of the regional differences, and there's very, very little. Yeah, um, it's all pretty solid across the board. I mean, what you see is what you get. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there were little things like title screen differences, or uh, yeah. some of the graphics were changed. Like the, I think the chainsaw guy over in Europe, he had a, um, he was a lumberjack instead, maybe, or had a, you know, different weapon. But um, yeah. which is weird. But yeah, yeah. I don't. Slash screens were different, and it was just called zombies in Europe. But yeah, and that's weird too. But I don't know. But I, I think no matter what, if you're coming at this for the first time, uh, you know, either choice is is probably solid. But I would say I'd probably recommend the uh, Genesis one. Just can I don't know. Just I like having the life bar and the map moved over to the right side of the screen as opposed to being part of the main screen. Mm-hmm. It just, it does make a big difference. So. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I um I think this was fun. It was a good way to kind of bring this game back into my my radar. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Radar. Um, it's probably yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a little bit more on the expensive side, I guess. Um, not terribly expensive, but um, I think uh, a Genesis cart will probably run you probably twenty five thirty dollars. I think the um, Super NES one, probably about the same amount. If you want a box complete one, it's probably 35, 40, 50. So, um, you know, not too bad. You could probably find one at a local game store, probably 15 to $20. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a, a worthwhile game, um, especially, like I said, since you can't really get it by uh, any other uh, digital means right now. I think it's definitely one to pick up, you know, or at least to play. Uh, if it's yeah. if you're not familiar with it, you have to play it. Um, and what what's interesting to me is that after doing this, it, it definitely makes me want to kind of dedicate some time to it and try to get really good at it. Um, especially because you know this time around, I became aware of things that I wasn't aware of before, like some of the bonus stages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow. the idea. Yeah, shortcuts and little secrets. Um, obviously, the whole point of the game is that you know when you start, you've got ten victims. If any of them die in stage one, then you're just you know down. For stage two, you have that many fewer victims that you can even mm-hmm. rescue. When you're out of victims, then game over. Um, but there's you know things that you could do if you perform really well that you'll get 
some of them back. Um, so it's the kind of game where even though it's really difficult to succeed, I do think that it's something that you you could perfect and you mm. could get really good at it to where you know eventually if this became your game of choice, you you could beat this. And um, there's something about doing that and reaching that level that's that's intriguing to me. Uh, I doubt that I'll actually put the time into doing it, but it's 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 an interesting prospect. Yeah, and I think it um, it also kind of has the perfect amount of like pick up and play aspect to it, in that um, you could sit down and play this for four or five levels and get a password and write that down and be good for a while. Right, and when you come back, then you know maybe play a little bit, kind of get your feet acclimated to it again you know, enter your password, continue from where you left off and, uh, yeah, just subtly make some progress and, uh, eventually you'll get really good at it and finish the game. Well, and it's interesting too, that the, the, I guess, crescendo of this is different than a lot of other games because the difficulty with each stage, it's not a, a linear progression. Um, like stage three is very difficult with the chainsaw guys, but then it kind of starts to taper off and you, it gets a little easier. And then there's another stage that's really difficult and then several that are easier again. And like, I think there's one, you know, around like 10 or 11 that it's just a giant field full of plants. And mm. all you have to do is just hold the weed whacker and just go get the people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a nice relaxing reprieve. Um, and and there are other stages like that that are kind of thrown in there just to kind of to kind of keep the the adrenaline up and then you, you get you know waned off of it and then back and forth so it's not like man I'm dying at stage 16 every time and I've got another you know 30 40 stages to go it's 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 not that linear difficulty curve right and the the more that you play you're going to get more ammo for your weapons anyway so you're going to constantly be stockpiling um you know, squirt gun ammo and soda cans and gas for the weed whacker and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you're not going to feel like you're completely out of ammo by any means. You'll have enough to deal with whatever threats come at you. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it uh, it lends to a nice pickup and play style that you don't have to sit down and devote a ton of time to it. You can play enough to get the next password and then be good for a little while. So right. that says a lot. All right, so I think overall, definitely be a recommend for both of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, it's one that I grew up playing and renting a lot, and it's just got a it's it's got a fun sense of humor to it. Um, you know, if you like gauntlet style games that you know where you kind of run around a maze and try to find an exit and stuff like that, I think this scratches that itch, and it's got a, a good graphical style and good sense of humor to it that it it's still fun uh, to this day. Yep, I would agree. I think um, it could be very frustrating, very difficult. Avoid the two-player mode if you can. Or, and, uh, well, like we said, it's it's an interesting discovery if you play it with somebody that doesn't play a lot of games. But um, if you have friends that, that play a lot of games and know what they're doing, this game could be an absolute blast with two people who know what they're doing. Yeah, just make sure that when you get to the ant stage that they're willing to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we have not yet picked what we're going to be doing in two weeks. It's it's my pick again, and I'm uh, a little slow on the uptake, so haven't well, quite. Hurry up. hurry up! I got like 20 picks I need to do. <laughs> haven't quite narrowed it down. I've got several on the back burner, so um, yeah, I'll get that information to you soon, and definitely in time to tease it on the social medias. But um, yeah, people are just dying and can't wait to know what it's going to be, and they want to check us out, like. Wes, how do they get a hold of us? Well, for uh, the six of you that want to do that, um, maybe seven now, I don't know. Um, we've got several different avenues, of course, for that. Our uh, Facebook group is uh, is our sort of our main thing where um, Graveyard Duck Podcast, we are out there. Um, a lot of discussions going on there. We've got a page as well, Graveyard Duck Podcast. Um, obviously, there's Twitter there's uh which is at duck graveyard we're on instagram um graveyard duck podcast um you know it's like american express i mean you know you don't leave home without graveyard duck podcast and we're everywhere that you want to be so um and with no hidden fees no hidden fees that's right um we probably are accepted in europe i don't know nobody's ever tried it but uh yeah you can send us an email graveyard duck podcast at gmail.com 
um, don't have a MySpace. I don't think we have a GeoCities page. So um, you can't find us on Fantasy Star Online. So uh, fortunately, so some of the more dated things um, we're not there, unfortunately. But uh, my my Angel Fire account is closed. Right. <laughs> I'm, uh, you can find me on the X band um, on the Genesis modem, um, usually from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. when the rates are cheaper. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Prodigy yeah. list serves. I don't know. Something. something. Right? Yeah. Check out my live journal. Uh, <laughs> um, I talk about a lot of things there. Oh, I don't know. It's just, you know, we're uh, this is the thing. This is this is the new thing with with podcast is. Uh, you know, we're, we're everywhere and, uh, you know, we pay attention to several of those things occasionally. Um, we've got a discord group, um, which occasionally we talk about things on. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's just, uh, you know, when you're, um, an adult and have a full-time job and it's hard to keep up with all the avenues of social media to promote your show, but, uh, that's okay. So, um, you know, if you find us and discover us and, uh, like what we're doing, then uh, check out one of those things and interact with us. And if you like the show, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. That would definitely help. We definitely appreciate it. Just Google Graveyard Duck. You'll find us somewhere. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, All right. So until we come back in two weeks with a brand spanking new episode, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And just remember, uh, make sure that your television is turned on and then press the start button. Did anything happen? No, then turn on the power switch to the Super NES and repeat step three. See, it's a challenge, and we haven't even begun playing the game yet. Game over.